0: this episode of Through the Pines, we discuss how to access your millions that you've saved up through the years in your IRA or Roth IRA. Welcome to a financial planning podcast, the down earth vibe. Sasquatch listens to us while doing what Rex from planwithbaxter.com. Any ideas?
1: While checking his account balances. Checking
0: his account balances. I love that very much. <laughs> Here we go. I'm, I love it. All right. So, Rex from planwithbaxter.com, part of our financial wizards this week, along with Brandon Smith. Brandon with a Y in case you are wondering why we don't really know. Uh, like our Facebook page, we are on Facebook. It is Through the Pines on Facebook. Also, we are on Instagram. Pines underscore podcast. And good news, great news. If you're not watching this on YouTube, you can see our wonderful, beautiful faces on YouTube. It's a much better experience. And we're on YouTube at, through the Pines podcast. So subscribe to the channel and you can see us in real life. Uh, so you can see what we look like. So, all right, let's dive in. This, there's You've got a bazillion dollars in the bank in your IRA or Roth IRA and we want to take it out. And apparently with the list you, you have provided, there's only also a million ways to access said money from IRAs and Roth IRAs, which is a surprise to me, but it's good news because there are different ways. Uh, some of them like loans or, or buying a house or something, re- retirement, obviously. But um, what is the, what's like the basic rules? When can we begin to access money in IRAs? Who wants to start on this one?
1: I'll 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 start. First, thanks for having us, Brandon. We okay. love always being on your podcast. That was quite the quite the intro there. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So so again, Rex Baxter, Baxter Nelson Associates, Amerit Financial, planwithbaxter.com. Yeah. Like Brandon said, go like our, you know, go like his YouTube page, his Instagram page. Subscribe. And, and subscribe yep. and, and support the the Through the Pines podcast so that he can continue to, to bring us on as guests occasionally.
0: That's so. true. That's true. Thank you.
1: So n- now that I said all that, I forgot your question. <laughs> <laughs> what,
0: are, what are the basic rules? How do we access money? We have all this money in our 401k, or not 401k, but I mean, it's sort of the same rules, but IRA, Roth IRA, we want, it to, we want to access it. Do we have to wait till we're certain uh, years old or can we take it out for a house? Like what are the basic rules here?
1: Yeah, so so the basic rule, the the rule that everybody is well, not everybody, but most people are familiar with, is that by the time you're fifty nine and 59 and a half, and, and again, leave it to the government and to the IRS to celebrate half birthdays. They half love years. to celebrate half birthdays. Our right? thing, yep. They apparently it's all the rage. <laughs> my my daughter keeps asking me for quarter birthday presents and half birthday presents, and so she. I do thinks not it's blame her.
0: Rage. Yeah, I do not blame her. That's a good idea.
1: So 59 and a half you can start to bring out the money without any tax penalties. Typically before 59 and a half you'll have a 10% penalty in addition to having to pay ordinary income taxes if it's a traditional um, IRA. If it's a Roth IRA then obviously that comes out tax free as long as you've had the IRA for 5 years. But again the most common is is after age 59 and a half. But we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about you know, the exceptions to the rules and, and, you know, how else can we get money out? But it's, it's fairly easy. You know, one of the, one of the things that trick people up is, is lots of times it's not the IRA rule issue. It's what you invested in. Sometimes what you invest in may have additional penalties or restrictions or liquidity issues. And so you want to you want to make sure you understand what you're investing in and what the rules of that are. That may not be an IRA issue. That may be an investment issue. So oh, just make sure you understand what you're investing in.
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, you have a long list here, so let's burn through the list. What uh, are the required minimum distributions or RMDs? The minimum. Yeah.
2: At age 72, if you've got 401k or traditional IRA assets, meaning meaning assets or investments right, in an IRA that have not been taxed yet, somebody wants their money, right? The government wants their money. And so once you turn age 72, you're required to start taking at least a minimum amount out every year. And, and that's based off of the prior years, you know, December 31st closing balance and the scale we run that through. If you don't pull it out, IRS has a penalty. It's 50% of what you were supposed to pull it out. So really steep penalty if you don't get it out. Obviously, you know, Rex and I have a whole list of, you know, all right, we gotta make sure we get this, this, and this, and get all those RMDs out, you know, wait, before wait. the end
0: of the year. Brandon, just a quick question. Because you have multiple clients and multiple clients at different ages and all these how do you track all that stuff? Reports.
2: Reports. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. But really, I mean so so obviously as we're meeting with clients throughout the year, we're talking to them about RMDs you know, about where we're at with the markets, when we want to take RMDs. Does it make sense to take the distribution earlier on in the year due to a client circumstance, or do we push it off towards the end of the year? So anyway, we're, we're working on that and talking about it throughout the year. But ultimately, I mean, because we've got a list of our clients' ages, the account balances, everything like that, that's all auto-generated just so that we don't miss clients. So at the end of the year, you know, we're, we're double, triple checking We've
0: got a list and we're checking it twice. <laughs> it's your job. You are the list checker. So
1: so I will say that even though we have lists and we check them twice and and we're very thorough about that, at the end of the day, it's it's your it's your money, right? It's not our money, it's your money. And at the end of the day, you need to take responsibility. It is your responsibility to make sure that the, the money gets out of your IRA account on time because it's it is a fifty percent penalty. I mean, if you're supposed to pull out twenty thousand um, dollars this year, and and come January fifth, you say you wake up and you're like, oh my gosh, I forgot. I'm going to go take it out right now. And so you pull it out, and and you miss the deadline. You know, the IRS could come back and say, yeah, you owe income taxes on on twenty thousand, and you owe us a ten thousand dollar penalty on top of that.
2: Yeah. You're likely going to have an inbox full of voicemails from Rex Rai.
1: Okay. If you're yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you you will you definitely you definitely will have, you know, quite quite a few notes, but at the end of the day, it is a partnership. It is making sure that everything's taken care of.
0: Oh, so, fair enough. Okay, so can you take things out for charitable charitable distributions? What are qualified charitable distributions and why would you?
1: So this is a strategy that came into play a few years back to where the uh, the the government and the IRS allows you now to make a donation straight from your IRA account to the charity of your choice when you're 72 or older, when you're required for those distributions. So even though you're allowed to take money out at age 59 and a half, 60, 65, and you want to make donations to a charity, the qualified charitable distribution strategy only applies once you've hit that mandatory distribution age of 72. But the reason we do that lots of times is because you may be taking the standard tax deduction. So again, it's a communication with your CPA, but if you're taking the standard tax deduction and you're donating, you know, $5,000 or $10,000 to, to the charity of your choice during the year, then you're not getting the tax deduction for that. And so a kind of a backdoor way to get the deduction is to have it go straight from your retirement account to that charity of choice, because that way it doesn't count as income coming out. And so it doesn't count against you for, for tax purposes. And it still goes straight to the charity. That's so, smart.
0: That's why you need a pl- plan with Baxter. That's why you need an advisor. Right. Get that's right.
1: PlanwithBaxter.com, yeah. plan right? We see that yeah. a lot where people are going to pay at
2: church or as some other charity anyway. And if we can just do it, do it straight, right, then we would have, where they would have had to recognize $5,000 of income, both taxable at, at, you know, federal state level, we can we can bypass that and pass it right on. The charity or the church still gets the same amount of money. You just don't have to pay the taxes on it.
0: Brandon, we're getting better at living longer. How are, how are your clients doing? Um, you know, because people in their seventies are, are feeling, you know, more, more sprightful and youthful than they had been in the past. And so, uh, what's what's that do to your money and the and the required minimum distributions?
2: You know the required minimum distributions are just planned based on it is based on age and it's a scale and and so you're just required to take a small amount out per year and that starts at seventy two and moves on. It, it's really not it's not as big of a deal from a planning standpoint as you might think. If if we're required to pull out more distribution than we'd otherwise what, otherwise like to we can pull it out of the IRA and just put it in into a non-qualified account and, and invest it there. And so really all the government's looking for is to make sure you're paying your taxes on that portion at, at a certain time scale.
0: Okay, sounds good. All right, I really like my wife and I like my kids and I love my trust. So who should be the beneficiary of all the monies? My wife, my kids, my trust. Who can I, I trust it, I got your
1: spouse you.
0: and your kids. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Answer is it depends. Ah, of course it does. Of course it does. There it goes. Yep. There we have almost one per episode, but it depends. Of course it depends. But what would be some of the factors that would go into making that choice, Brandon?
2: Yeah. So so most times, almost always, the spouse is the primary beneficiary, meaning that if you were to pass away, who do you want to have control of the assets? It's almost always spouse. Not always, right? I've, I've, there have been a handful of times where someone wants their spouse to be a partial beneficiary and then pass the rest on to the kid if they were to, you know, the kids at the same time if they were to pass away. But most people pass it directly to the spouse. Now, the 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 question that typically comes, not always, but typically is the contingent beneficiary. So you and your spouse were in a car accident, both passed away at the same time, then what happens? And so that that's where that's where there's a little bit of debate, right? You can either list children directly as beneficiaries, in which case the child would receive the money. They'd roll it into what we call an inherited IRA. So it's an, it's an, an IRA in their name, but it, because it's inherited, they have a time frame to pull that money out. It used to be over their lifetime, but now with the recent legislation, they've got 10 years to pull that money out. And, and as they pull it out, it's gonna be taxable to them as income. If it's in a traditional IRA, the other, right? If you don't list your kids as the contingent, the other option is to list the trust as the contingent beneficiary. The trust has benefits because you can control that, right? If let's say you've got young kids and you don't want to just dump, you know, a million dollars on a child when they turn 18 because they've just lost their both their parents. And now all of a sudden you're going to dump an, an enormous amount of money on them. I can't think of a better way to ruin a child you know, you can put it into a trust and now the trust can, can distribute that and make distributions at different ages and, and, and allow for the child to spend money on certain things and not on other things. And so a trust can be beneficial that way. Obviously you have to have a trust written and I'd reference our other estate planning podcasts that we did that really go into detail on that. The downside to listing a trust though, is then you've got to pull it out within five years. And so, if if you've got you know the beneficiary now only has five years to pull that million dollars out, well, they're going to be in really high tax brackets. Whereas, if you know you didn't need to put it in a trust and you could just pass it directly onto the child, then the, maybe it's an adult child, right? They're fifty years old. Then that beneficiary could take ten years to pull it out and and maybe pull it out in lower tax brackets.
0: Okay, very cool. Rex Brandon brought up a scenario. If I was given, if I was given a million dollars at 18 years old, you know, I was friends with you then would, would you have kept me somewhere. in check or, or have, <laughs> no, on. no
1: we, we'd would. gone, we'd gone on a road trip. <laughs> we'd gone to Yosemite. We'd oh. gone to Zion's. We did all the national parks. We'd be climbing fools all over the country. Yeah.
0: I, it, I probably could have burned through most of it in about five years. I think
1: with a new Jeep, probably
0: we definitely have a new Jeep. Yeah. So yeah. in other words I don't know why a million dollars at 18 is a bad idea but that's just throwing <laughs> that <out. laughs>
2: The, the other thing <laughs> the other thing is I mean spendthrift right what you're talking about kids just blowing it all yeah. but then in, in addition sometimes there's substance abuse issues right that you want to control and and you're willing to take a um, pay more taxes in order to help benefit a child. So there are a, ver- a variety of scenarios. I would maybe a trust would make more
0: sense. Way too much stuff so I would had stuff buying issues I think on that. Um, what are stretch rules? Difference between trust and individual stretch rule? There's oh, always rules. Oh,
2: sorry. That's, that's what we were just kind of talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Do we,
0: how oh, do yeah. we want
1: to put that in? Okay. I, so a couple of things. So the rules changed here about four or five years ago um, with the SECURE Act to where we used to be able to stretch out IRAs over your entire lifetime. Mm. And, and so it made a lot of sense to make sure that we were listing, you know, the, the spouse, and then the kids, because we could pull out a very small amount every year for the next 70 years and let the money continue to grow tax deferred and, and, and continue to pay dividends for those kids. But, but then when they changed the rules, it came down to a five-year rule or a 10-year rule on individual beneficiaries versus non-individual or trust beneficiaries. And, and so that's, that's limiting the ability to stretch out the tax deferral on the IRA accounts. There's still a number of planning techniques that go around with beneficiary designations. And, and that comes in like on the spouse. If you, you know, if you pass at 55, then we may not want to roll it into an inherited IRA and force that in, you know, to be distributed over the next 10 years for the spouse. We may just want to roll that into a spousal IRA or if the spouse is 40 and may need those funds, we may want to put it into an inherited IRA because then we can avoid the 10% early withdrawal penalty and we can take the money out over the next 10 years for that spouse that needs the funds. And so there's there's a number of planning strategies around the beneficiary designations that, that come into play.
0: Okay. Do any of them involve the 60-day rule?
2: Haha. <laughs> 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 no, but that's a good rule. 60 day rule is, so once every rolling 12 months, so basically once a year, but once every rolling 12 months, you can actually pull money out of your IRA and have it out of the IRA for 60 for sixty days, but then you got to make sure you have it back in on that 60th day. Oh. Um, otherwise it's Man, that gets you. dangerous.
0: So if you, it, pull, if you pull out money to flip something or quick invest or whatever, You've got to put it back within 60 days.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it's a hard and fast rule without, uh, we see it a lot in real estate, right? We see it sometimes if a a client just, you know, running a business and they just need it and they know they're getting more back. Obviously, if you don't get it back in, then it's taxable to you as income and it's penalized. How does it work in real
0: estate? How do people use it for real estate?
2: Sometimes there's just liquidity issues where they just need, you know, they need an extra two hundred or three hundred thousand dollars, you know, just for a short period of time, just to kind of bridge that gap, so they're not, you know, doing multiple loans. Yeah, so,
1: so we've had clients that sometimes have have used the money for, you know, to buy an investment property for the sake of argument. So they'll come in, make a cash offer, buy the house, get it paid for and closed, and then immediately refinance it to get the money back in to the IRA account. Yeah. Um, but we've also had people miss those deadlines, right? Man. And if you miss the deadline, I mean that's income taxes on that entire amount plus if you're under age, it's a 10% penalty. And so I mean talk about rolling if the dice.
0: Un- oh, if you're under age. I was like if you're under age. If you're under the age of retirement, <laughs> yeah, 59. Yeah, if you're 59.
1: if you're under that 59 and a half yeah. Right, then then you're gonna have in most situations you're gonna have that ten percent penalty. Brutal. But then I've also seen people do it with um kind of renovations to where you know maybe they're getting money from another source in 30 days and inheritance or something like that, but they want the job done now, and so they'll go and get it done now and and then replenish the funds and the dice
0: rolling. I think it's dice rolling, but that's
1: I do too. I'm I'm with you. I'm not a huge fan of that, but I've seen people do it and 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 people need to be aware that you can only do one in twelve months, and so, you know, sometimes you'll do one, then all of a sudden an emergency comes up, and and you're just kicking yourself, saying, "My gosh, I wish I could do this at this point." So yeah,
0: yeah, okay. So if you use one for renovation, and then you can't use it later for just something maybe important, the emergency that comes up. The problem with
2: renovation is you've got to get the money back. Like you've got, it's got to be refinance
0: or something. You got to figure something else out. Yeah, it makes me nervous. Yeah, I mean it's an option, so it's there, but that's interesting. Well, speaking of real estate, how do we use it to buy a house? First-time homebuyers.
2: Yeah. So if you are a first-time home buyer, which means that you neither you nor your spouse have owned your principal residence in the last two years, then you are, you know, a, a first-time homebuyer. At that point, you can actually pull money out of your IRA. You can pull up to $10,000 per person. So if you're married, both you and your spouse could pull ten up to $10,000 out of each IRA to put down on the new house. Couple, I guess, kind of tricky nuances and caveats on that. You can only do that once in a lifetime. You can actually, if you want to use your, you know, your amount to help out a child or or even a grandchild or even a parent, like, so you can go up and down, it even says, or ancestor, right? So you can go up and down the line and use that to pull money out of your IRA penalty free. Now it's still taxable when you pull money out. Cause again, this is, you know, on a traditional IRA, that's going to be taxable. You've never paid taxes on it. So it's going to be taxable to you as income. What, you just what don't about have the
0: Roth? Have the penalty. Can you do it with the Great Roth? Great
2: question. Yeah. So you can do it on a Roth. A Roth IRA is, is a little unique and a lot of people don't know this, but but a Roth at any time, you can actually pull your principal or meaning that the amount that you put in, you can pull your principal out completely tax and penalty free. So if I've had a Roth IRA, let's say I've had a Roth IRA for five years, I've put $5,000 per year into it. I've My principal in that is $25,000, right? I've put $25,000 in. Now, it may have grown to $40,000, but I've got $25,000 that I can actually pull out tax and penalty-free really for any reason. In the case of a a first-time home buyer, obviously, you can pull that $25,000 out in that scenario, right? You can pull your principal out tax and penalty-free, but then you can also go on and take an additional $10,000 of earnings out tax and penalty-free. Now it's ta- only tax-free, sorry, only tax-free if you've held the Roth IRA for five years. If you've held it for less than five years, then it is gonna be taxable as income, the earnings only.
0: Okay, but um, that's a lot of money if you need to buy a house for a first-time homebuyer, which is nice. Yeah, prices of the houses these
2: days though,
0: <laughs> it's crazy. Right, but it yeah, it's helpful. Okay, so no penalties. All right, first-time home buyer, exclusion on a Roth IRA. What's the exclusion on the Roth IRA?
2: Oh sorry, that that exclude that's just that's you know the what it's called when you can pull it out. I, I think
0: that okay. I
2: think Rex, unless Rex, you have any other any other thing, I think that pr- pretty well covers the first time home.
1: No, I think I think that's good, but I think it's something to think about, especially for some of our younger listeners, is as you're saving, if you go back and you listen to our budgeting and saving podcast, as as you're saving and you're young, you're 18, 19, 20, You know, you shouldn't be overly nervous about saving into into the IRA accounts, because, again, you can get money out for that first time home purchase. Now, you know, my my personal feeling is that habits matter and and putting money into the retirement accounts and not accessing them and leaving them for retirement maximizes your compounding of your money. For retirement, And so, so there is some give and take as to what's more important. Is it the house now? Is it retirement later? And, and, you know, what are our goals and how are we saving to get there? But it is, it is nice to know that just because you start saving into a retirement account early doesn't mean that that's going to necessarily handicap your ability to get into a home.
0: Yeah. No, that's good to know. All right, Brandon, got some more numbers? Yeah.
1: And yeah. they actually tie into
2: something you were talking about earlier. The old people. <laughs> oh. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Shouldn't say that. What's but it is one? aging it is an aging demographic statistic that I just think is, is a really I, I love macro trends in the world. And and so anyway, <laughs> one out of every ten people in the world in twenty twenty two is at least sixty five years old or older. So about 10% of our world population is 65 years or older, a projected one out of every six people in the world in the year 2050 or 16% will be at least 65. That was done by UN world population prospects. So they kind of looked at that. And obviously there's a lot of things that go on that can impact that. But you know, our demographic between better healthcare and and between baby boomers and, and everything else, over the next, eh, it's a little while, right? Over the next 30 years, we're gonna start seeing more and more people over age 65. Yeah,
0: for sure. Okay, let's say you have, um, you're lucky enough that your parents got you rolling in an IRA when you were young, and now you're getting ready to graduate high school and you have an IRA in your name. Can you pull some of that money out to use for higher education? Yeah, you, you bet. Oh, the sorry. The cool race. thing is yes.
1: No, go go ahead and go through it. But the cool thing is yes, I mean, I'm a huge fan of higher education, right? I've been, you know, extremely involved at Weaver State University and, you know, Board of Trustees and President of the Alumni, you know, different things like that. And I, I really appreciate the value of the education. And so this is this is something that I think is, is fantastic as far as a way to help cover your education costs without having to take out loans.
0: All right, so how you do it, Brandon? Yeah, really, really. Two
2: depends on the IRA, right? If it's a traditional IRA, which is probably a little less common, right? Unless you've had a four hundred one k, but most most younger kids, right, are, are saving into the Roth IRA. But if it's a traditional IRA, the distributions are taxable, but they're not penalized. So, so you take money out, you, you're going to pay tax on it anyway, right? You're going to pay tax when you pull it out in retirement or when you do a Roth conversion. When you pull it out, just because it's never been taxed before, it will be taxed, but you don't pay that 10% penalty. Um, If it's a Roth IRA, the basis is tax-free. And when I say basis, you know, your principal, whatever you've put into it, going back to that original example, if we did $5,000 per year for five years, you got $25,000, obviously you can pull that $25,000 out completely tax and penalty-free. But if we're pulling more than that, right? Now we're eating into the earnings. We pulled the 25,000 out. We still need another five grand that represents what's been earned in the account while it's grown. That 5,000 is going to be taxed, but it won't be penalized. So you won't pay the 10% penalty. You'll just pay taxes on whatever has grown in that Roth IRA.
0: Okay, interesting. Um, I've heard it costs more money to die than to be born. but I'm not quite sure on that. Uh, can you... <laughs> Depends.
1: I, I, I think I would argue that in most situations.
0: <laughs> can you use money to adopt or or use it for the expenses when having a child?
2: Yeah. Yeah, you can actually take up to $5,000 per parent per child. So if you had twins, right, you could actually take 5000 per parent, per child. Now, when we say per parent, right, each parent needs to have their own IRA. And so if, if you don't have those, then then obviously you run into issues that way. But, but yeah, $5,000 per parent, per child. The distributions on these are going to be taxable on a traditional IRA, but not penalized, which should at this point, we're seeing patterns, right? It starts to make a lot of sense. For Roth IRAs, the principal is tax and penalty free, like it always is, right? Any anything you've put into it, that principle or that basis is tax and penalty free, but then the earnings are taxable as in as income to you, but no okay. penalty.
0: Okay. What if I want some some beauty work done? Um, and you know, insurance isn't gonna cover it. So can I take money out for medical expenses that are not covered by insurance?
2: You know, I don't know on elective surgeries. Okay, okay. <laughs> My guess is no. I'm I'm almost positive no. But maybe we look that up <laughs> and put it in the comment section. Just, just throw it
0: out there, you know. So
2: yeah, no, no. So so unreimbursable medical expenses. So it and this is, and unreimbursable meaning that like you can't like go out and have a bill for a hundred thousand dollars of of health healthcare expenses but then your insurance covers all but 5,000 of it. You're like, Oh, I had a hundred thousand dollar expense. I'm going to pull a hundred thousand dollars out of my IRA penalty free. No. So if it's been reimbursed by an insurance company, then, then you can't count that. But let's say out of your pocket, you know, let's say you had $13,000 of, of uh, medical expenses. What it comes down to is actually 10% more than 10% of your adjusted gross income, your AGI. Right? So, let's say you make 100,000 a year of agi um, or your agi is 100,000 10% of that would be 10,000 in our example if you had $13,000 of medical bills you know above and beyond that 10,000 you're going to have $3,000 that you could pull out of your ira it'd be and, and then that's going to be taxable but but penalty free so you're still paying taxes as you pull that out but it would be penalty free
0: okay and,
1: and that might make a lot of sense as opposed to putting it on a credit card or going into debt yeah. or, you know, a lot, a lot of times the, the medical, the, the hospitals, things like that will work out a payment plan with you with no interest for different times. So, so you do want to exhaust some of those solutions first. There might be zero interest, but if there, if it comes down to, you know, Hey, heck, I'm going to have to put this on a home equity line, this medical, these medical expenses, or I'm going to have to put it on a credit card or something like that. It, it may come out to be less expensive to in the long run to go ahead and take that that medical expense exemption and pull that out, pay the income taxes on it, avoid the penalty, as opposed to paying interest on, on that over the next five years.
0: Okay. What's a SEP? Is this in the same category? What are, are we moving on to something else? Yeah, no, this, this
2: is totally different. Substantially yeah. equal periodic payments. Yeah, um,
1: let's not confuse SEP with SEP. Ba, ba, ba.
0: SEP. Yeah, there's, oh, you got your
2: SEP and you got your SEP. Okay, and, and those are two very different. <laughs> your your SEP? SEP IRA. So you got a SEP IRA, right? And that's an employer-sponsored plan. Oh, got. Gotcha. Reference our other podcast on on retirement plans. But then you've got the substantially equal periodic payments, and this can okay. be done out of an IRA. You know, let's say you've got an IRA, a big chunk of money, and and you're 45 you've hit it big you're ready to retire but you're going to need to pull some of the money out of your IRA well with if you set up a substantially equal periodic payment then you can actually you can you can take some out each year before age 59 and a half and not pay the penalty on it you're still you're still going to pay your your taxes on it as as distributions but you can actually pull that out and there's there's quite a few I don't want to get too deep into the into the weeds on it but a, a couple just kind of handful of rules that at a high level, when you set this up, first and foremost, you don't need to use all your IRA money, right? So let's say, let's say you, 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 we can essentially design this and target an annualized income that you need based on the IRA distribution. Now there's three methods, required minimum distribution method, not to be confused with a regular RMD or required minimum distribution, a fixed amortized method, and a fixed annuitized method. And essentially these are just calculations that we use to cal- to calculate based on your IRA account value, how much are you going to be needing to take each and every year out of your IRA? So, so essentially when we set this up, we need to desi- decide how much do we want in this IRA that we're setting up the payments from versus how much do we leave in other IRAs that we're not gonna touch until we turn 59
0: and a half. Okay, so, so I, have now a, we, sorry, yeah. I have an IRA. And I want to take money out before I'm 59 and a half. So I set up a if, SEP.
2: Yeah. You set up this substantially equal periodic payments. And essentially what it is, is it says over five, it's either five years or until age 59 and a half, whichever is later, mm-hmm. you need to take a set amount out every single year. So if you start, let's say you start this and you build it so that you're going to pull $24,000 a year or $2,000 a month, you say, I'm going to pull $24,000 out every year. And you set this up and you're age 50. You are going to need to take that $24,000 out of an IRA every single year until you reach age 59 and a half. Hmm. And so that's a fairly significant significant commitment. Let's say you're let's say you're fifty-eight and you just need a little bit of money to you know or, or you need that annual income to get you through through retirement starting at age fifty eight. Well we can do that, but you have to do it for a minimum of five years. So if, let's go back to you need twenty-four thousand dollars per year, we start taking twenty-four thousand each year. Well, that, that's gonna to have to go on for five years and you're gonna to need to recognize the income on that. The reason people like these is because it's penalty free, right? Otherwise, let's say if we were starting at age 55, we'd pay a 10% penalty on it. And that gets obviously really expensive, very inefficient. And so you set up these these equal payments with a commitment, right? a commitment that I'm gonna do this for at least five years, I'm gonna pay taxes on it every time I pull it out, but it allows you to get
1: access to that money earlier. So these are fairly complex on the rules. <clears throat> and, and a couple of things, one, we're going to confuse people. If we if we use the abbrevi- abbreviation of SEP because there is a SEP IRA, which is a self employed, what is self employed pension plan? Pension? Is that what they call that? Brandon? on the set
0: he looks very confident the, yeah. yeah so I'll <laughs> look so, it up for so you. <laughs> anyway, it
1: it's an employer sponsored plan on the SEP the substantially equal periodic payments which is for jargon for all of our jargon lovers out there the the Sepp is a distribution method and so we don't want to confuse people when we're calling it a, a SEP because they're definitely going to get confused if they go into their CPA and say hey I want to I want to utilize a SEP and CPA <laughs> yeah. is going to be on the, you know, the, the wavelength. Of, pension. Yeah. yeah, so right. they're, okay. they're going to be on the wavelength of of contributing into their self-employed pension, uh, essentially, employee. as opposed to taking distributions out. The other thing I would mention is if you get this wrong, and and you do this incorrectly, that the penalties can be severe, and and they're kind of retroactive, and so you do have to be pretty careful in making sure that you do this correctly. And so we do work very closely with your accountant to make sure that they're on board for which IRS table and distribution method we're utilizing, what interest rate or divisor factor we're using to calculate that that amount. And then they're working closely with us to make sure that we. this is one of those situations where we might have multiple IRAs to where we're separating out the IRAs and we're starting a a periodic payment plan out of one IRA account. And and then we're putting the other money in a separate IRA account. So we're not having to take that into consideration. And so, you know, this can also be done out of, out of qualified plans. And so this can also, if you've terminated your employment, you can also do this straight out of a 401k plan, assuming that that 401k plan allows for it. And some do and some don't. And so lots of times it makes sense in those situations to go ahead and roll the money into an IRA account. There's obviously other factors, costs, you know, fund availability, things like that, that they come into play. But sometimes that makes a lot of sense to roll it into an IRA account so that we can separate it out, decide what's going to be participating and what's not over that time period.
0: I,
2: I think that the key to remember is if you're, if you need to pull, significant amounts out of your IRA prior to 59 and a half, then let's talk about this. Let's sit down with your accountant and let's decide, does this make sense? Let's review the pros and cons, but that's really, that's the only time in my mind, not the only time, but the major time that you're going to do that is if, if you need a significant amount of money out before 59 and a half, how do we get that out systematically without paying a penalty on it?
0: Well, without paying penalties or taxes, there are other ways. Top of the list, a little more with death. So <laughs> that can happen. Walk us through that. Yeah. So I
2: there, there are, I mean, there's a lot here, right? As far as the, those are kind of the main ones that, that we see and deal with a lot. But, but obviously you've got death, disability. Um, there's certain insurance premiums while you're unemployed that we can, you know, we can pull money out of IRAs for qualified reserve distrib- reservist distributions, right? In military, we can pull it out for an IRS levies. And so, I mean, obviously we've kind of, you know, talked a little bit about some of those, but, but ultimately those are kind of the high level reasons, right? Are you buying a house? Are, are you, you know, going to school, debt, disability, things like that, that we can actually pull money out. And, and like Rick said, it doesn't mean that that's necessarily the best thing to do. In fact, a lot of times it's you know, it's not the, you know, we want to preserve that retirement nest egg and and by sabotaging and pulling it out early, we're doing ourselves a disservice. But if we need to, right, if we need to access the money, we'd rather do it as efficiently as possible. And those are kind of the, the ways to get around all the penalties and some of the
0: taxes. All right. Well, not on the list, but a question I did have was you can only pull money out of IRAs if you have money in your IRA. In other words, you can put other things in your IRA. Like we mentioned on a previous podcast, a house, my, my van, whatever, but you like, how do you pull things that are not cash out of your IRA? Like, how does that work?
1: So, so that, that gets tricky, right? Because if you're talking about things that might be in a self-directed IRA and pulling and pulling money out. And, and again, if it's, if it's like a real estate, it's not like you can pull out 10 bricks and, and value those 10 bricks and take out a corner of the house. And so, so that, that does get tricky. If it's something like a, to use a baseball card collection as an example, then, then you could, you could pull out, you know, 10 of your cards, you could take out a Babe Ruth card and whatever the case may be. And, and those would be valued. You'd have to get a valuation on those cards and then they would come out and then that'd be a taxable event if it's a traditional IRA and you'd have to pay income taxes on on the value that's coming out. And then they would do a valuation on what's remaining in the IRA each year in, in those situations. So, so so that's one of the issues of, of holding things in an IRA that are illiquid and that are difficult to, to divide up in order to take those distributions mm-hmm. and, and something that you have to be a little bit careful of that can trip you up. So.
0: Okay. Awesome. We missed anything, Rex? No, but
1: I did I did think it was awfully generous of the IRS to to allow you to pull money out for an IRS levy without being penalized. Oh, isn't that uh, <laughs> a, little, a little bit shocked, you know. I kind of thought they'd penalize you for that on top yeah. of it. But
0: <laughs> taxes on taxes right there. Yeah.
1: Hey, yeah, absolutely. Why not?
0: Taxes so. on taxes. Okay. Well, hey, if you have questions want to start an IRA or you have an IRA that you need to pull money from, and you want to access that, you're not quite sure how, you want to make sure you stay within all the rules. Rex and Brandon are, are, are great at this. So planwithbaxter.com um, can, can help you. And tell them I sent you here at Through the Pines. They'll, they'll give you some love. Um, I think that's it. That's all we have for this episode of Through the Pines, reminding you to use yesterday's dollars to finance tomorrow's dreams.